Welcome to the For Those Who Inquired podcast. Unfortunately, my partner in crime, Neil Bradley, inundated at the moment with some family obligations. It is Monday night, 6.50 p.m., 10.23, and I have with us the new voice of the racers, Jeff Bidwell. He'll talk in just a moment because he's in the middle of refreshing the Phillies and Arizona Diamondbacks game. There's no refreshing. <laughs> just watching a live I'm just stream of it. Doing my best not to frisbee my phone across your kitchen. Well, so. that's fine. Well, Jeff, I'm glad to glad to have you here, man. Uh, really appreciate the time. We are at my kitchen table, and I do think we will probably have the two most recent voice of the racers together at a later date. But I definitely wanted to catch up with Jeff as we start to walk into what's going to be another exciting season. Well, the second season uh, for Missouri Valley basketball for Murray State men's and women's uh, athletics. And I guess I, I, I just want to go ahead and get started super quick with a Missouri Valley question. Jeff, you were just at um, you were just at MVC Media Day. Correct. Walk us through what, what I mean, because you, you've been to as many OBC Media Days yep. over the last 20 years. Yep. What, what is that feeling? Is it a different feeling for a media day for the Missouri Valley or are all media days the same? Uh, I think probably the biggest difference was I didn't have to say hello to nearly as many people. <laughs> I think is probably <laughs> maybe you to know everybody. I didn't, you know, I, 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 I had to say hello to people, right? But people weren't like, "Hey, there's Jeff. I'm gonna go say hi to him." Right. So that was the uh, that was that was certainly the biggest difference. I think from a standpoint of. You know, for the me, it was an opportunity to connect uh, faces to names because, you know, I mean, I I have at least been on email lists for the Missouri Valley Conference for 20 some odd years of, you know, covering, covering SIU and so on. And so, you know, much like, you know, much like. Kyle Schwartz and and God bless her Heather Brown and and the folks uh, at the OVC right you know they're, they're Jack Watkins and Mike Kern I mean those guys have been there forever at the Missouri Valley and so they're it was, legends it was nice to finally get to see them uh, in person so uh, that that was definitely the biggest uh, that was the biggest difference before we get into a, a considerable breakdown and again I don't want to break down piece by piece we have so much to learn about Murray State men's and women's basketball as we go go throughout this year. Um, I, I'm actually, I just, and I know Neil's not here. Again, we'll get into this more when we're all more in person, but I did want to go ahead and ask. Obviously, when Neil announced this past late spring, Mm -hmm. as the season concluded, Mm -hmm. hey, this is the last time that I'm going to call, that that was it. I've I've done my part. I'm handing the baton off as a Hall of Fame broadcaster for Murray State men's basketball. Still obviously with us with football, but when was the moment... I mean, him announcing is one thing, but when was the moment for you that you were like, I, I think this is something that I'm interested in. I think this is something I'd like to pursue. I think if memory serves, um, I was having, and I, Kenny Roth and I have a lot of lunches, so I, I may be conflating stories here, but, uh, combine all the lunches. We were, we were having, uh, we were enjoying uh, some of the some of the fine luncheries uh, at Rudy's, and I want to say it was sometime mid February, and I f- I feel like he said, I th- I think this is it for Neil, and I just I remember like, going like a hunch, going huh. a hunch on a lunch, like huh, really, you know, type of thing, and then. The more 
it was kind of that initial the pilot light got lit and then it almost kind of immediately went out because I didn't um, I did not really think that it could work would work um, you know I had been uh, you know I, I had been in conversations for at that point you know because I had been quote unquote retired from TV for 11 months and yeah. so you know there had been That's some a hell of a fast year by the way it did it did go quickly the uh you know there had been a um i guess the the way to look at i had been trying to get a job with murray state sure uh, uh well, why why wouldn't you i had i had initially had a conversation with matt mcmahon in august of 21 and i said hey i'm gonna be a free agent in eight months and I would I would love to work for you. I said, I have no idea what how my skill set would translate for you, but I said I would I would love that. And he was like, okay, let's let's talk, you know, as we get uh as as we get later in the year. We're gonna have to have a good year, you know, to be able to justify creating a position and blah blah blah. You know? Sure. So I believe at that point they were twenty eight and two. Yeah, it was a good it was a decent year. I knew damn well he was not coming back and gonna be the head coach in two months. Uh, but I said, hey, Matt, uh, do you want to have that conversation? Uh, do you kind of follow up? <laughs> and he was like, he's like, man, I'd love to talk to you. Why don't we wait till like the first April? And then we'll, and I was like, man, that sounds really good, Matt. Well, uh, how about I help you pack? To be, so to be fair, he was still here the first of April. It just wasn't much longer after that. It was. Oh, like, no, he was gone. Hey, it's of April 1st. Oh, yeah. Because my, my March 31st was my last day on the job, and Steve got introduced on, like, March 28th, I think. So he was gone. Oh, yeah, I guess he that was is gone. right, because it was before the – it was, it was like, right – Yeah, it was all pretty tight in that window. Because it was before but, the – was it before the championship? Uh, yes, I believe that's correct. That's right. I believe yeah, that's correct. I forgot that's how big of a whirlwind so it was. So it was uh, – Thank you for reminding me. So anyway, so, so I was like, we had met. You know, we had talked. Uh, <laughs> Help me back. Steve, Steve got the job. <laughs> And, you know, I said to Steve, I, I just gave him the same pitch. And we sat and we had a long conversation. I talked with him. I talked with Kevin Saul. Kevin talked to Steve. Steve talked to Kevin. I talked to Steve again. Sure. Kevin leaves. Now I talked to Nick. Like it was, there were multiple conversations in there. And so in my brain, well, I'm even there at that point. I Sorry, I just wanted to mention too, you had the, you had the 10 part. Yeah, I mean, you had the show too. Correct. That so you'd was, already had that conversation with Steve, and that's right. even before all of this happens. There's yeah. already a rapport there, right? So it was, and I've known you know I've known Steve for 15 years, so right. that was you know, but that that definitely that scored all the bonus points I think I would ever need with him doing that. But um, so sort of in my brain, it was more of, hey, is this going to work for this non? descript job that's nothing but a theory and a bunch of notes on a napkin and whatever. And so I didn't really think the radio, I didn't know how the radio thing would fit or whatever. And then it kind of reached a point where I was like, I don't, I don't know that this is something I want to do. Sure. I said, I've got at that point at a daughter that was getting ready to graduate from high school. You know, we've got, you know, Jennifer and I with the four kids and, you know, senior, junior, sophomore, seventh grader at the flowers time. flowers and it was like i you know i don't know that i want to be away i don't know that you know i, I didn't know if it was going to work and well you know as well as anybody and again i'm not I, the only reason i'm just interjecting very quickly here you know as well as anybody so do i 
the amount of travel that is required, even if it had been the Ohio Valley, the Missouri Valley, the, in a weird the way, passion it's there. Better because you're not, you know, Ohio Valley, you leave on a Wednesday, you don't come back till Saturday night. This is at least you go on a Wednesday, you come back Thursday night. You know, there's more trips, but they're shorter. Okay. You know, in some level, you're splitting hairs of, you know, what's good, better about either one. But I still was like, I don't know that I want to be away from the kids as, as time's running out before they leave the house and, you know, and all that. So, yeah. Um, and I think it was probably, it was very back burner. Like it was like, it was still, the pilot light was lit, but it was not a focus of anything. And, and I, and if memory serves, it was, uh, I'd had a conversation uh, with, with Nico and, and Josh Bruner uh, sometime around June, uh, early June. And they, you know, would you be interested? It wasn't, we're offering you the job, but it was like, it would it be something you'd be interested in? And I was like, you know, I have sort of taken the tact since I left TV of I'll listen to anybody about anything. You know, right. I was like, I'm, I I have nothing but freedom. So throw it at me and we'll see if it sticks, you know. And so and then Dave Winder reached out and asked and I was, and then I, you know, again, kicked the tires a little more. And I was like, well, maybe maybe this would be awesome. And I talked to Kenny and, you know, he was supportive of me doing it and um and that was when I kind of just sat down and and I just talked to the boys and you know my daughter was on her way to college so she was kind of a, a non-factor in the decision and sure but I talked to the boys and I said you know this is what's going to happen you know I said it's going to be you know it's four months of there's going to be travel on the weekends there's going to be times I'm not going to be around and um you know and I think it was funny because my oldest son just said, he's like, well, it's not ideal, but if you want to do it, go ahead. Like, okay. And then my youngest, who... What an endorsement. I know. My youngest just goes... Like, he was perplexed by the whole conversation. He, he was, was like, why are you asking our he's permission? Like, well, he was like, do you want to do it? And I was like... <laughs> There's that attitude. Yeah. And I, If you want to do it, just do it. He's like, do you want to do it? I was like, well... Yeah, and he's like, "We'll do it." And I was like, "All right." So I guess I'm in. And that's funny. You know, at that point, just that's. Put, but that's how much you change, just as you grow. Like you're, you, you think about the priorities of a, of a changing yeah. child, and and it, how when you're between the ages of like six to nine, you're like, "Well, that's what I want to do," so I'm going to do I'm it. Going to do it as long and as it doesn't hurt anybody. No, and so I'm going to do it. You know, and in the end, you know, like any two teenage boys they're really not that interested whether i'm around or not so they didn't right. really care but yeah it was uh oh dad's gone i'm staying uh, late so great so you know we put in i just put my stuff together and send it into dave and and at that point i was like i'm i'm all in on this you know and i just hope it works and then neil called me and and said i'm i'm gonna throw my weight behind you if you want it and i said do i want it and he kind of laid out the pros and cons and yeah and i was like yeah i'm good let's go and one thing led to another and i got the call and we were good to go well the reason i, I mean and i'm glad you kind of painted all of that out because i mean it wasn't i i mean i'm nobody i just enjoy racer athletics i had was blessed to cover it for seven eight years i'm going to continue to enjoy it as i live uh in the city of murray and you know reside in callaway county it's just 
It's not going to leave me. Um, but it's it's just interesting to me because all I've known is Neil, and I know a lot of people. All they've known is Neil. They know other people, people that have been fans longer than I've been alive. I'm 38 years old. Um, you know, they certainly know previous voices and things like that. But when someone does something for 32 and a half, 33 years, you know, even at the TV station, the number of times that you had to piece together he and Paul Bubb. Right. And then, and then he and Kenny, like you just, you even had to do that just in your time. You were at WPSD 20, 20 years. I, I was, I thought it was 19, 20 years. So of those 20 years, even that's all you had experienced. So even in that regard, that's amazing to think that for your two decades at WPSD, that is the experience that you knew was mm-hmm. the Neil Bradley show. Mm-hmm. It was the, and he would hate it if I said that. He might, I, it, sorry, Neil, but it was, <laughs> it was, it was the Neil Bradley show because he always had great color commentators. I enjoyed Paul Bubb. I, I mean, it would be rough and tumble. He, he'd get gruff every once in a while and, Call out officials and all that sort of stuff. Kenny, of course, has that assistant coach's mentality. Nathan Higdon the was the everyman fan that just yeah. shrieked in joy and delight. And exactly. he was they yeah. were great. Yeah. Absolutely. They just there yeah. was just one of those things though, like that over the years, the the way that Neil has commanded the show. Yeah. And I keep calling it a show, it's a broadcast. It is a production, but it is also bringing you the news. And that's what you've had. You, I mean, you have the most experience. You graduated from Ohio University. Correct. Okay. Then your first job was Augusta? Correct. And you were in Augusta. And I, I say, the, the reason I'm saying those things is like, I'm guessing, because I think I know your resume, but I'm just guessing as I go slightly. You were in Augusta for what, seven years? Four. Oh, okay. So half Four. That yeah, okay. I was there. I got there. The uh, What year did you get to Augusta? Uh, 1998. I left, graduated from uh, college. Uh, June of 98. I was 12. And then it took, uh, <laughs> hurts me in a lot of ways. You can give me, the, uh, hey, uh, Neil gives me the middle fingers every time. You're allowed to do uh, that. And then uh, it took six months to, I, it was fine. I graduated on a Saturday. On Monday, I uh, got on a plane to Junction City, Kansas oh, okay. for my first uh, job interview. I was like, oh, two days, I'm two days after I graduate. I'm right. getting a job. This is awesome. And it was a, uh, Junction City, Kansas is 10 miles from Manhattan, so you were going to cover Kansas State, and this was all, oh, yeah. you know, and it was a Fox station. All they had was Monday to Friday news. I was the weekend guy, so I was going to anchor, like, Thursdays, and then you would cover, you know, you would cover Kansas State on Saturday on the weekends or whatever. Oh, what a dream that would be. Um, starting salary wow. uh, was $13,000, <laughs> and... Wait a second. You keep talking. I'm going to do the math on so, that one real quick. I mean, I... I it's not seven dollars an hour. No, is what it was. But uh, but that was um, now again for that moment. I've never had a full time job before to right. sort of extrapolate out a summer of whatever. Um, you know, at that point, you get paychecks, and you just immediately go burn them on baseball card and booze and some you know whatever I, I still the joys that. of being well you know. Yeah. Is your wife around? No. Okay. So <laughs> she'll be the dishwasher will be in yes. relatively soon from working out. She knows. Uh, oh, I thought you were calling her the dishwasher. Coming oh, she in. is the dishwasher. Oh. 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 You oh, tell her that in I, person. Oh, I do. She knows. So here's the deal. It's a joke, and I actually want to share it with you. This. So we've uh, over a hundred plus podcasts. 
and I love sharing this with you. I'm glad this is breaking information. She will randomly sometimes, because we've been doing the podcast in the house now yeah. for like, I'd say probably 70 of the 100 episodes. Yeah. And she will randomly walk into the room and we wave and say, hey, to the dishwasher. Wow. So it's a thing. And wow. it's the fact that I'm still married. It's a joke and Neil started it. And so now we run with it. And it's quite literally like a, she's okay with it because she knows it's like a reverse. Like she know we all know she wears the pants in the relationship. Fair. She's more mature. Correct. She's more distinguished. True. She's had far more success in her career. Check. So calling her the dishwasher is like a reverse. I see. Like a reverse Uno card. Really, I'm the dishwasher. Wow. So there. We, all right. We, Fair enough. We have digressed. Yes. But, but it's uh, fine. We, so we bring it back. I made more money as a dishwasher at the country club back right. when I was 16. By the way, uh, that's $24,486 now. Yeah. 13098 13, Wow. Well, that's... 24486 I know a lot of people that are making $24,000 nowadays. So right. That was at the time the news director actually said... Uh, I th- believe he used the word poverty level to me at the time and that they would... They were encouraging me if I got the job that I would be rooming with someone else at the station because they just weren't going to have enough money to. At least he was uh, honest with you. Yeah. So uh, didn't get that job. But at the same, again, I was like, I've never made $13,000 before. That seems like that seems good. Here's the possibility. And then didn't get that. And then uh, finally got a job in Augusta, Georgia doing news uh, the week after Thanksgiving in 98. And I made $17,000, which I was like, is so much more than $13,000. And then a lifetime. By the time I got my second paycheck, that was when I realized how little $17,000 was <laughs> right. in 1998. As far as like trying you know, to live. I mean, I think I got, I think my paychecks, my paychecks were somewhere between five and $600. Rent was three fifty, mm-hmm. and which is amazing on some level. But it was like um, it doesn't last. Yeah. Like that was just generally <laughs> it's disappearing. It quickly. does not. Wow, this isn't very much. So so anyway, yes, I got there in November of <laughs> November of ninety eight, and then that's hilarious. I did news for a year and a half, and then uh, got in as the. Uh, weekend sports guy at the same place and was there for two years on the nose and showed up here and uh my first day on the air was memorial day first day of the region baseball and softball tournament memorial day of 2002 oh you know as well as anybody that that memorial day weekend which now that it's moved and now yeah. that you've retired out of it but memorial day weekend or anywhere near it is regional baseball time i didn't have any time. idea what that meant i just knew it was oh, suddenly it's, it's, it was a very that's busy the day. real holiday yeah, that was that was like wow there's all these games that one place and all day and okay well this is and we convenient. will determine a champion correct in 24 hours that's right so so it was uh and then you know thought i'd be here two years and 20 almost 22 years later still rock and roll and before i i later on i want to ask about your philadelphia love we're going to get to that but before we do that let's stay a little closer to home clearly there were a lot of relationships that you were able to build over that 18 to 20 years. You land here, those first two years, I'm not saying those relationships don't count, but you think, okay, I'm going to make these relationships here and I'm going to move on. Mm-hmm. And then 18 plus after that, including you know a marriage, a home, now a, a new job and all of those types of things, you fell in love. And I don't, and maybe correct me if I'm describing that wrong, because you know, these types of jobs require a little bit of homerism, but in the same respect, you have to take an analytical lens to it. And you have taken that analytical lens before. 
but you let's just say for the sake of dis- description here, you have fallen in love with Murray State men's basketball mm-hmm. and Murray State athletics in general, but typically the hard the hardwood. What is it about Murray State basketball that just drew you to it? I mean, because you've been attached to it pretty much ever since. Yeah, I th- I think that um, you know when when I started. Um, I was excited. I love basketball. I mean, that's just, I love basketball. I love college basketball. Didn't you start? uh, On the bench. Right. Where I finished as well, generally, yes. So um, I didn't even play. I just watched. uh, I mean, I had a uniform. I mean, I would buy, my friends love this story, that uh, it was either um, I would have water drinking contests with my other buddies at the end of the bench. Uh, at home because we had easy access to slip to the locker room and go to the bathroom if need be. Oh, and, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Would also buy 50-50 tickets, 50-50 raffle tickets uh, during the JV game, and then I would just leave them in my sock, and everybody was always like, well, what's going to happen if you win? And I was like, I'll worry about that when I get to that point. Unfortunately, never did. Never did uh, win. Never did, but I mean, it's like they don't need me. I could go wander off and go pick up my couple <laughs> hundred bucks and go stick it in the locker. It'll be fine. Technically, you're winning. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good day. So, That's um, funny. I just love basketball. You know, and in Augusta, we had three within about a 15-mile radius that we covered. We covered three Division II programs. and One of those was Augusta, wasn't it? Augusta State at the time. I think yeah. it's now just Augusta. Um, it was Augusta State, South Carolina Aiken, and then Payne College, which was the HBCU there yeah. in Augusta. So, um I, you know, and that was, that was great. And I, you know, I became real close with um, – the women's coach at South Carolina Aiken and it kind of just opened the door a little bit to where I could, I just peppered him all the time with just like, explain this to me. How does this work? You're trying to get more into the, into the inner workings of college basketball of not just, you know, cause at that point it's the nuance. Yeah. At that point, internet's not really a thing. Like there's no Reddit. There's no, you know, like stuff where people will, are so educated on stuff, even in a wrongful way now on some levels, but it's like all the information's out there. Now, well, it wasn't out there 25 years ago. So it was, it was interesting to me. We got people diagramming plays now. Of course. And so, um, so I came here and, and honestly, um, 2003, uh, the 0203 season was my first season. Graduated high school that year. It was, it was a, by the way, um, as I as I think back to it, it was you know Murray was okay. It ended up being Tevester's last year, right? And but we also had, hey, we cover Southern Illinois too. Sure, they had just come off a Sweet Sixteen run, had a whole bunch of folks back, and you landed here right that that apex, right? Like at the beginning of their six year run, yeah. and where ultimately you know Murray was, Murray had not yet become. Murray was still the plucky team that the most important thing this basketball program had ever done was they were the only 16 to take a one to overtime. Right. That was the most significant pelt on the wall that they had. And it was all, you know, they're going into the tournament a lot, but they're going as a 14 or a 15, maybe a 13. You even had the win against Jimmy. No. But that's an 88. Like, that's yeah. a long time. But it was I see like, you're saying it had been a while. It, you know. That's a good point. The 88, hey, we got one win. I see what We've you're saying. got one win in the tournament. That's awesome. But, boy, you know, two years later, we took Michigan State. We had Popeye. No, you're like, right. There, that's there, a good there point. There were things that were – 
that were significant, but in retrospect, yeah, weren't that they were small. Yeah, no, in the in the, <laughs> the grand the scheme, the accomplishments of have evolved into bananas in the last twenty years. So you were not when wrong. it started, you know, and I remember, you know, I I was at the I'm at the OVC semifinals. And I'm learning about Murray State and Austin P and the rivalry it is, and they're playing in the you know they're playing in the semis, and it goes to overtime, and Cuffy Victor goes up to dunk it to tie the game in overtime, and he gets blocked at the rim, and P wins, and it was like, wow, that was something. And but then meanwhile, SIU they're going to the NCAA tournament, right? So I had to go to the tournament, which was which was as at that point, 27 year old me was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. I don't even care who I'm there to cover. I was like, we, you know, went to Indianapolis and covered them up at the dome. And you just get to drink in. Oh, some of the, this some of the is best great. Basketball. Tevester leaves. Mick comes in. Now they're a juggernaut his first year. They're, you know, they end up a 12 seed. They're going to Columbus. They play. So it's like, so. Between SIU and Murray, 03, 04, 05, 06, 07, I got to go to the tournament. 07, you know, SIU makes a sweet 16 again. Um, This is, this is, I was like, it was just awesome. And that, but Murray, you know, Murray's in that Billy rebuild mode. Yep. And it was, there were a couple, I don't want to call them dark years, but they were down years from what we had sort of seen. And Re- then regroup, just circle in the wagons and they're getting that thing built. And I just, for me, the flashpoint of everything became um, De Niro's shot. Yeah. And, you know, we, part of it was the fact that SIU was very good. We're still in a, in a pre- ESPN three ESPN plus era. Uh, there's no streaming. There's no, if we didn't go to games, we did not get video. So, so what was happening was we would have to go. It's crazy to think that that's been the change over the last decade. That's a I great, mean, that's a great, it, it's a it, massive. And, uh, but it was like, we would go, we go to Murray games and, you know, get off the new, I would get off the set at six 30. I would drive to Murray. I'd get there at seven 20 usually get there about the under 12 timeout you shoot the rest of the first half and then you leave because you got to get back and you got to do the news well denaro shot obviously awesome great well we decided that next year and it was sort of the um you know i hate using war analogies about stuff but it was like that cnn you know we are embedding our journalists in the war and that was like we it was like everybody's coming back, seemingly. You know, Gennaro's leaving, Tony's leaving, Fatso's leaving. Everybody else is back. The core. So is it's there. like we're going to. I want something on Murray State every single day of the week, and that was the decision that changed everything for us uh, as a, as a news station. That it was like we're we're not just going to the Monday press conference. And then going to the Thursday game and the Saturday game, if they're at home, we never went to road games, to then suddenly we're at practice every day and we're at every game, home, away, California, where like Wins wherever. Wins draw. Wherever. And it just, it changed the 
excessively long way around the block, but it just changed the way sort of the attachment to, for me, it became personal to like, we're all in with these guys. Yeah. Thick or thin. I don't care if they win or they lose. Right. And, and, and a lot of time, you know, it's like, and you know, there are stories in the struggle. So of course, of course losses are. are fine. Like, I don't care. Now, I, I sometimes remember losses more than I do wins. I've also said winning is good for business. Well, of course, yeah. Great, yeah. And business was really good for the last 12 years. Yeah. And that also sort of, you get caught up in the, just the positive vibes of being around. You know, it's one, if, if they're 10 and 20 and we're there every day and there's just this constant cloud of harumph around everything, well, that's not fun, you know? Yeah. I mean, at its core, we're still doing this job. Yeah, you're still going to do it, but it's, it's not. It's fun. It's not great. Right, you know? But it's like, oh, we're going to hit a buzzer beater in the NCAA tournament. Hey, we're going to start the year 23-0. and 0. We're going to be ranked in the top 10, and Dick Vitale is going to dance, and we're going to win 31 games. And oh, a couple years later, we're going to win 25 in a row. And then a couple years after that, you know, we're going to go to the tournament two years in a row, and there's this kid that's going to end up going number two in the draft. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's like there was – it was just this avalanche of this is awesome to yeah. be around all the time that Hell, you just couldn't. Even Matt's final year with the the correct the twenty and zero and the which is crazy that I it, I feel like as the years go by, it's wild that year for them to go thirty one and three is going to fall through the cracks of history. I just because that year there was no moment, there was no you know they whatever they want. I mean they won. 17 in a row like they had that long streak oh yeah and they were ranked in the top they ran they were ranked top 25 i had to when they hit the rankings that's why my writing for the associated press that year had nothing to do with my skill set it had to do with the fact that i was still attached to the team and still new constituents on it and then they got ranked and that's how the associated press picked them up you're right about that creek the, the 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 creeks the cracks the crux whatever it was they didn't have a john morant they didn't have a KJ's game we, winner. We UT won Martin. twenty-five in a row. They didn't have you know the national TV games. You know they blasted Belmont. Great, but it was like they were just an awesome team. They, just they were they were a lot like uh, they just got it done. Like Billy's team in ten, but that team you had to narrow shot. You got Isaiah from his knees. You've got like you those. It, they didn't have those moments, and and I think there's sort of this. Uh, there will be, and it's sort of an unspoken uh, bitterness is not even close to the right word. I think just an undeniable disappointment that you will never, ever have a better opportunity to get to the Sweet 16 and you lost to St. Peter's. Which ended up being the darling of the tournament. Yeah, 100%. But... You could have been the darling. Yeah, it's true. And look if what, you'd won, and look what they did to Purdue. You know, and then you go hammer Purdue. Like it, it was right there, and so it's almost, you know, Murray State's NCAA tournament experience forever has always been, you're the plucky underdog. Try, for the first time, not only are you wearing the white uniforms, yeah, 
you are a heavy favorite to do something you've never done and then it gets pulled away and then obviously a thousand percent justifiable matt leaves yeah and guys left and and there was just kind of this cloud over things and it's like i i hope there's a time that those guys and i was happy to see matt back this summer i thought that was important to get him back and and be embraced by folks um but i hope that that team because what they did was ridiculous and remarkable and yeah. remarkable and, and that i'm just afraid it's going to get um sort of forgotten for for whatever reason but uh all that said the no. longest trip around the block uh this is uh, the podcast where that's allowed um in all of that i just became just being around it and getting to do you know it was a it was my professional relationship with Murray State's basketball program, I think, was mutually beneficial in that I was able to provide them with uh, coverage that they, if we just evaporated, they would not have gotten. Right. Um, if you just quit doing it, it's not We just fair. quit doing it. I, so I think it was good for them. Um, but also, I just love basketball and it got me to do things and got me to go places and got me to see success and these guys and obviously you get it you know you have some semblance of a relationship with these guys and, and so on where you you want them to do well for them right. not for the banner or like you know but all of that rolled into one i was like God, i love this place yeah i love it i love coming to work every day i love having to deal with this this five months is my favorite five months of the year and it was really it was always i went through sort of the spring depression you know it was like basketball's over and it's like i gotta wait seven months till it starts again and that's just, why you plan your vacation that's right it after a tournament's you know, over 100 like, i gotta i gotta stay high yeah i gotta go i gotta go get a i need a martini I need a drink. I need a beach. I'll see you somewhere fun. around, you know, let's go. Memorial Day. Yeah, Memorial Day when it's region baseball again. So. Well, I'm, I'm really glad you took the long way to do that because, I mean, if you think about it from that perspective, you know, one of my favorite, it's, it's funny you even mentioned it for me. Yeah, I definitely was a racer fan before I became a racer writer. And now I'm just a racer guy who just likes to go to racer events. One of my favorite things, and one reason why, and I'm, I would like to get just a little bit of your thoughts on football as well, uh, and I know that that's kind of more of a tertiary job that you have, but with, with racer basketball, one of my favorite things, men and women, is seeing the opponent. I, if you think about just in the Ohio Valley Conference, the amount of talent we've seen in the last 15 to 20 years, now jump to the Missouri Valley. I love seeing the opponent. Right. I love learning about other beat writers. I love learning about other teams and their history. I might know some Missouri Valley history, but it's fun to learn about Drake and it's fun to learn about Valparaiso and you know their dalliance in the horizon before they you know moved up and just the Drew family and what it means to Valpo. And that's just one snippet of the history. And it's no different for the women. I enjoy seeing the scouting element of what are these teams going to provide. And so just a just a very quick question about men's basketball, and I know you've already had to do some assessment right now. I mean, what are your thoughts? Murray State's men were picked to finish seventh this year. Mm -hmm. They are coming off of a season where they were able to get north of 500 and finish seventh and certainly made a little bit of a move in the tournament by winning the first game. But you've got one first-place vote for Missouri State, which 
Whatever. Still don't know where that came from. Yeah, but it's yes. not Wyatt. It's not no, Wyatt. Wyatt. Not Wyatt. Uh, Bradley, uh, three first place votes. We know what Bradley can do. Um, they certainly return some key pieces. There's a lot of hope that UNI is going to be really good this year. They finished eighth last year. They have 19 first place votes, which of course we know why. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly they have. Uh, all everybody of the back. back. Yep. Everybody back. Yep. And then Drake, of course, we it's DeVries, you know, DeVries squared. Mm-hmm. And and it's not even just those two guys. Like it's it's you know they're the defending champions of the tournament and certainly you know had a chance to really make some noise. And then of course India State fifth and Belmont so on and so forth. How do you see things shaping up for Murray State men's basketball, knowing how tough this schedule can be? Uh, I am. Um, I'm now on the payroll, so feel free to take this as with as many grains of salt as you want. It, Neil, Neil and I've talked about that. Before. I mean, look, it's it's October. Uh, I think everybody's optimistic about stuff, and as the summer has kind of gone along, and you know, as I've sat in, you know, a dozen practices already just to kind of sit and watch everything. I mean, I, I'm I am cautiously optimistic with probably less caution than I should be. Sure. Uh, I, I just, I was like, I think these guys have an opportunity to be, uh, to be pretty good. And, you know, I think that you have, uh, I don't think you can underscore enough. Um, not only the depth, but the, the, uh, depth of experience that they have in the backcourt. Um, I mean, they have a lot of guys that, you know, Quincy Anderson is a fifth year guy, right? You know, Jacoby Wood is now a fourth year junior. Uh, Rob Perry is a fifth year guy. I mean, these are guys that have gone through it. And so they're men now. And so that's a, um, that's a real strength of this team. I think, I really think one of the, from my cheapest of cheap seats. I think one of the most important pieces to this year uh, is going to be Justin Morgan because um, I think he's going to have to uh, – Steve's going to have to go small. They don't have a lot of size. Right. They don't have a lot of and, – and A couple big pieces, but nothing that's like – we don't have five of these guys. But, but from all of the old, experienced guys you have in the guard side, you know, Sam Murray's just a sophomore that barely played as a freshman. Malik Abdelgawad's never played one minute of Division One basketball. Love his size, though. Great, and his fifteen foot jumper. But yeah, Nick Ellington, you know, played two years of junior college and then played a season at Eastern Illinois. Uh, Close the season strong, you know. But I see had exactly a three game stretch. Saying. But it's like these are guys that are um, they. You need them to max out as much as possible. But I don't know how often you're going to be able to play two of them at the same time. Right. John McCreer is likely going to redshirt, so he's off the table. So it's like those are your guys uh, that I think when you then look at a guy like Morgan, what we saw last year out of him is he would play 100 miles an hour and he would go throw his body around. He would go rebound for he you. He sold out. And, and that's why he got the most minutes of any freshman last year. Yeah. Because there was no question he was going to make an impact on the game if he didn't score. And as it proved out, he didn't score because he just could not 
shoot the ball last year for what just outside of Evansville he could not limited, find the range right limited touches and no it's a kid that you know whatever how, however uh much stock you want to put into homeschool basketball whatever the dude scored 3,000 points in high school yeah the kid can score he can shoot the ball and it just didn't go in but they're going to need him as sort of that stretch four yeah. that can be a power forward defender for them because I don't know that how much you're going to be able to get two of those other three. I mean, Steve's going to obviously do it, but I don't know how much he can do it, uh, how much you're then giving up because, again, you know, Sam is limited offensively right now. Malik's still trying to figure things out. You know, Nick, you know, was five points a game, I think, up at, you know, it's like there's just not a lot of experience scoring down low. And that's where if Justin can stretch the floor a little bit, shoot better than 27% from three, right? I think that is sort of the key to unlocking them Man, 35, offensively. 35 was a huge improvement. Would be nice. And so. Yeah. I'm sure he's um, thinking that too. Oh, and he know, and he said that he's like, I didn't shoot well last year. That's yeah. all I worked on this summer. And you know, sitting and watching him in practice, to you know, I'm almost like parentally watching him where he shoots it, and you're just like, please go in, please go, and and it's going. He's in. making a lot of shots, and it's just like, okay, now again, it's got to translate to the game court, but. I think that I think he's a huge key at, at, to be able to provide them some size and some you know outside scoring. And he's going to go, like I said, he's going to get his nose dirty and, and score some on the inside and sort of some garbage points and so on. But that has me optimistic that this team, I believe, has an opportunity to. Uh, do I think they're going to win the league this year? No, I don't. I would be. Pleasantly surprised if they did, tough, but, I, but they I, would have overcome some obstacles. One hundred percent, Drake, Bradley, and you and I. But I also think that them, you know, us coming down the stretch, we get to games 15, 16, 17 of this twenty game schedule. I think they're fighting for a top four seed, and I think that is wildly important because in this league, as we learned last year, there are no nights off, and trying to win four games in four days, forget it. Yeah, and just <laughs> figure out a way you only got to play three times and, and you've given yourself, you've given yourself a shot. So sometimes you're a betting man or uh, at least I, I, somebody Lindy, as a matter of fact, last, last week and a couple of other people have mentioned to me that uh, Caesars has the racers finishing third. Um, and I mean, that, that's betting, that's life, that's pre-injury, sure. that's expectation, but Caesars doesn't miss too terribly often. No, they have those big, um, they have those big buildings out in Vegas for a reason. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, they I know what they're doing. I think Drake Drake is getting preseason respect justifiably. Uh, you've got the player of the year back. You know, you've got uh, you've got Darnell Brody, who is unmatchable in this league. There is just no one that can match him up uh, height him up. and width uh, that he is. And, th- and that's a concern for Murray. Now, yep. if Murray wants to play fast – Big fella's got to get him run up and down the floor, and that sort of changes things, and that's how you try to counteract it. 6'10", 275. I mean, there's just no 6'10", 275 dudes walking the halls well, in this league. He's also a jersey. He's New York, New York, yeah. New, York New Jersey. Seton Hall guy that that is in there. So it's like yeah. I understand the respect they're getting. I think Northern Iowa, uh, with another year of experience, again, everybody's coming back. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Is, is, I think they are the threat. I think you've got – you know, obviously, uh, you know, Bradley lost uh, Rink Mast, who 
was was their best player last year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but God. they got Malavion's. He's you know they are they're going to be very good. He's the defensive. He'll be the defensive player of the year. Hundred percent. They're taking. They're going to be very that. good. I, the team that I general consensus down there or up in St. Louis last week was is just watch out for Indiana State that they think with you know Robbie Avila is is a. a t- Get, walking off the bus isn't frightening a soul, and then he's going to go get twenty five and ten on you, and you're going to be like, "What just happened?" Yeah. Um, well, look at what they did last year. They stunned everybody. Hundred percent. Yeah. Now, um, you know, Cavassia McCauley, I believe, is gone, so it's like he was kind of a, a big piece to them. Uh, but I think they're going to be very good. Belmont's Belmont. You know, they're going to do what they do. They're going to be in the mix. Um, well, they have, a, and they have a, they had a great recruiting class this year. I just, I think that it's a situation of. It is, you know, looking and again, throw whatever salt you want onto it. That, you know, looking at the Ken Palm stuff, you know, they've got Murray at like 18 and 13. I think they were 11 9 in the league. But they also, if you go, that was the collective. If you go game by game, they had him at 21 and 10. Yeah. Because it's basically just saying they've got 10 games this year that Ken Palm's like, yeah, this is a coin flip. I don't know. And that's the league. I mean, that's the league. And, I didn't realize Jake Wolf plays for Indiana State now. He's a graduate transfer for Indiana State. As if Murray hasn't seen Jake Wolf enough. He played for Moorhead in 21-22 and 22-23 in Lipscomb the three years prior to that. That's absolutely phenomenal to me. Anyways, I, di- I digress again. Good Lord. I'm Terre Haute, looking- the uh, OVC retirement community. So. Well, I mean, he's from Aurora, Illinois. 6'5", 200, great shooting guard. Uh, shot 36% from three last year and 48 in the 21-22 season that was so good for them. So. Man, yeah, and that, but that's the valley, though. That's it's, the valley. That's the and, valley. And, you know, the the thing for me, if if Murray, um, there's a couple boxes I'd like to see checked, and I don't know that they all need to be checked, but I think if you can check some of them, uh, the top, you know, they will get into that top four conversation. Yeah. Got to figure out a way to win on the road. Uh, and for me, it's not even hey, we got to go win on the road. Got to compete on the road. They got blasted at Belmont. They got blasted at Bradley. They got blasted at Indiana State. Didn't play well at Drake. You know, it's like yeah. it was. It that's was not. Point. Hey, we got beat. We got blasted, yeah. and that's where it's mostly like, in the second half. <clears throat> gentlemen, let's go. We yeah. got to. You know, somebody's got to. And that was sort of. You know, and they've talked about it. There was that leadership void last year. They think they've cleaned that up uh, this spring and into the summer. Again, once we get punched in the nose. How's everybody going to react? And we'll see how that goes. But, and then it just comes down to you got to beat some teams ahead of you. Yeah. You know, they got, you need to steal one. They got Belmont in a game that Ben Shepard's still trying to figure out how he didn't make that layup at the buzzer. Oh, yeah. No, you're not the wrong. The best game of the year they played, he had it, was Bradley uh, with at, Jamari at, Smith out at home. at home. Great game. Again, two home games, but. You didn't beat Northern Iowa. You didn't beat Drake. You didn't beat SIU. Yeah. You know, you 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 got Indiana State at home. A pair of two possession games against SIU. Got Missouri State at home. Got Belmont at home. Got Bradley at home. Those are those four. And then you feasted on the, the four teams below you, which is what you need to do. But, again, how many of those games were coin flip games? Right. That you could have lost to Illinois State twice. Could have lost to Valpo twice. Like, it's... It was that close. It was that. That's the margin of error in this league is so thin that, but but to show, look, we can beat teams above us, not just the teams below us. We start doing that. There's not that many teams above you because now suddenly you're in that three four slot. You're not 
in the middle of the pack in that seven. I think if they can, so what, 17 and 15 last year ends up being, Mm -hmm. you know, improve on 17 wins, fight for a top four, like that in itself uh, is an improvement. And that's all I think anybody can ask for is, as as this is still new, you're still trying to recruit to a new level. 20 and 12 would be nice. Just keep marching forward, and I think everybody will be okay. Well, I and I, I want to, and I'm really glad that you mentioned it from that perspective, because that's going to pivot very quickly to a. Uh, you you've also we we don't have details, uh, and if you have anything else about men's basketball, we can definitely dovetail at the end. But I wanted to jump very quickly to women's basketball yep. because we haven't gotten any indication from the valley. I think it's probably coming this week or next week as they get closer to their season as well. Preseason indications tomorrow. Oh, so we're right as, on, as we record this on. We are right on Monday the, the 23rd. It, I, the 24th is media day. I figured so, it was yeah. going to be this week. Are you go, are you going up to that? Uh, no. Unable to. I've got some uh, Steve uh, Prom is they've started a uh, mentor program sure. for the for the team. And so the initial I had every intention of being in Moline tomorrow, but they're doing a uh the, op- the opening dinner for the whole program is tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. So Hard getting all the way to Moline and back to Murray was not going to work. So I will be on a, on a Zoom with Rochelle tomorrow morning. I will be paying attention, but if, if I were to – all indication tells me they, they I would have to think based on the amount of young talent they're, they're expecting to take that leap. Obviously the red shirt coming off of Zoe Stewart, so on and so forth. And then the elephant in the room, and I, don't, I mean that to use I, – I, she's so – gargantuanly talented is the fact that Caitlin Young is all signs point to her being preseason player of the year. I, I would have to think, I mean, ESPN indicates that she certainly can be one of the best players in the league. Do they have any ends? I mean, we're going to find this all out in 24 hours. By the time you hear this nugget on the podcast, you'll be like, Oh yeah, we heard that already. But I'm just, I'd have to think that Murray state women's basketball with Caitlin Young in tow is a top five team. I'm just trying to, I think top four in my limited dealings with Missouri Valley media. Um, I'm going to say no chance um, in that. I think there is still, they finished eighth last year. Correct. Got off to a good start. I think it was a seven game losing streak in the middle of the year. Things went wonky, finished strong, very strong, right? you know, almost picked off Illinois state at the end, but it was, it was the yo-yo was what it was. And you finished eighth. So, so they'll, they'll have, you think tepid I just think from a standpoint of here here's the thing. Yeah. From a standpoint of uh preseason prognostications mean nothing. Uh I think they mean They're great water cooler talking points. hundred percent. I mean, look, they are the only reason we do preseason polls is it gives people something to talk about. Yeah. So you're talking about your t- sport, you're talking about your league, all that's the only reason they do it. Yeah. Now, with all that Bull- said, bullet points for the for the locker room. 100 point. 100%. <laughs> so what I think is going to happen is one, I think there's just hey this Murray team, well, Caitlin Young, cool. She was there last year um and they finished 8th. So 7th? Like I f- think that's going to happen. Yeah. The other part of it is there isn't anybody in this league outside of Western Kentucky and anybody reading the fine work over at racerbasketball.com. Fair plug. I was glad you – I was just going uh, to ask you plug that. Rochelle, after 30 years of coaching, mm-hmm. has basically taken the first 29 years and crumpled it up and thrown it in the trash. And she's like, we are changing. And – 
I don't think anybody in the league understands what's about to come at them in that they are going to play borderline Loyola Marymount style from the 90s. Let's go. They're going to run. Give me 100 They're going to press. They're going to play 94 feet. They're going to jack up threes. And it's going to be a – because Rochelle's whole stance on this was we are not good enough. We are not prepared physically enough. We have not recruited enough to beat them, the league, at their own game. Took the words right out of my mouth. I got a bunch, you know, everybody, everywhere you go, 6'4", 6'3", 6'5", We don't have that. Yeah. And she's like, we can sit there and just line up six-foot Caitlin Young against 6'4", six, 6'5", six, you know, whatever. And she's like, Indiana State and Drake, we're just especially. banging our head against the wall. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to go, okay, ladies, you may be bigger than us, but you got to catch us. And they're just going to go. And I, that is going to be – I th- that is just I, I don't believe that's going to be baked into any preseason cakes uh, in terms of preseason polls and all of that. Like how and, you prepare for that, right? Because and and she's been very. I've almost been surprised that she has talked about it so freely, rather than it kind of be a secret. But at the same time, it's like, like how Murray t- would say, "I'm throwing the ball and then run the ball," right? Yeah. Or you know, you know, college. If if Dean Hood suddenly decided. You know, in April, you know what? We're going to be a wishbone team next year. Right. Every practice would be under cloak and dagger because game one is important. Well, by the time they get to conference play on December 30th, they've played 11 games. They have. They would have been smoked out. You yeah. know, everybody's going to figure it out soon enough. So it's, it's just been interesting that she has not – there's been no cloak and dagger about it whatsoever. She's like, we're just going to go out and we're going to run. And, I mean, I watched them. She had a uh, – she brought in a bunch of uh, male students, their practice managers. And, you know, these guys are obviously played – I mean, they they played in high school, you know, intramural type players that are yeah. – they, they got some skill. They got some skill. And, you know, frankly, they're, they're – there were guys there that were going to be more athletic than people they were going to see during the season. And Rochelle just kept, she just kept walking up and down the floor, just smiling because, you know, the final score was like 86, 80, something like that. Well, she's like, we can't win games 50 to 45. Right. It's not going to happen. She's like, if we get to 80, we've given ourselves a shot. And that, Look, it may not show itself off in the first half, may not show itself off in the third quarter, but she's like, they're going to be huffing and puffing because we're going to be the better conditioned team, and you just hope you're within arm's reach. You can get to the fourth quarter, and you can go you can go steal something. It, so it's, it's funny you mention all these types of things because if you take a look at just some of the numbers, and again, I, it, you're right, preseason prognostication, I don't want to even call it a fool's errand. I don't think that's fair because there's a lot of work that does go into just trying to decide – where the recruiting classes came from, the type of skill set you have on paper, what coaches have been installing. But if you look at look at your top returners from last season for Murray State women's basketball, Caitlin Young shot 37% from three. You're talking about this, this run-and-gun mentality. You have Hannah McKay, who had times where she was super hot, but she took 133s last year. She made 42. I'm sure she'd love to see that percentage go up, but that 30, 32, 33%. 
not atrocious. Certainly want that. To but be they like can become rim runners now. Yes. And that's where it's like, just go run to the out, outrun the person who's guarding you, yeah. and you can get a layup out of this. Bria shot 34%. Yeah, especially if you're going to offensively rebound. Yeah. You got 34% from Bria Sanders Woods, as what Neil and I like to term the hyphenator. And then you have 38% from freshman Briley Pena, who really started to kind of come alive late last season as she got more and more time. And if you look at that's, her game by games, they 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 made a bit of a shift toward this style the back like 10 games of the year last year. Yeah. And you saw that uh, not only did they sort of snap out of the funk they were in, but their three-point percentages just went up, 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 up. Yeah. And because, again, you know, Briley is five foot four on her very best day. Gosh, she can shoot you know, though. Case and Connor is five foot five. She you brought defend. in you brought in Haven Ford, uh, Miss Basketball, uh, and a killer softball player. Five foot five, and it's like so you're but you're playing all these teams with five ten, five eleven wings, and when you're just running half court, they're they have no shot. They're gonna get locked up. You you you're trying to <laughs> you are, you have no shot, and. These kids get out and run the wings, and it's like they're getting open looks. And they got, you know, you got shooters and you got makers, and they got some kids that can make some shots. And so I, I think it's going to be. And we haven't even said anything about Destiny Thomas yet. No, I, and that's the thing. This yeah. is the other part of it is that uh, that I'm I'm excited to see is, you know, I I don't think Rochelle. I think if you go back and look, I don't think she's had a year. She's played more than eight kids, double-digit minutes in any given year. There's been some years it's been seven right? Um, where she really tightened up the ranks. It's not going to be full like hockey line change, but these 15 young women are going to have to show they can't play in this style because everybody's going to get a shot. I, I believe that's the way it's going to be, uh, especially early, that it's like – because she's, I mean, Rochelle said she called them uh, sort of, you know, it, it's a work in progress and combinations and so on. But what she had explained to me was that there will be no one that plays more than five minutes in a row. Yeah. And that's what they will call a double shift. So it's going to be you go in and you just play your brains out for two, three minutes, get out next healthy, fresh bodies in there. And it's just a constant, every dead ball, you're just rotating fresh bodies in. And it's going to be. It, it's they're just going to try to wear teams out. So last year, just a quick nugget there. Again, it's hard to get it too deep into the numbers because, of course, some of these young women have graduated, but you just look at that that blueprint you were talking about. Nine women played double-digit minutes last year. Caitlin at 31, Macy at 29. It's crazy to think I watched Macy Turley play basketball for 10 years, but we did it, and it was amazing. You had Hannah McKay play 29 minutes a game, Bria Sanders-Woods 26, Jordan Hughes 20, Alexis Burpo, 19, Briley, 15, Jada Black, 12, and then Case and Connor, uh, six starts, 31 games, played 16 minutes a game. So you're there's nine. You get to that 10 this year of double-digit minutes, and you're exactly right. You're going to get into that rotation, that shift scenario where things go it, on. It's on just going to be – and, you know, I, I imagine Caitlin's going to get close to get her 31 minutes. She's the best player on the team arguably the best player in the league back to, you know, she may not be preseason player of the year just because again, respect of just, just it's going to take a little bit. She's going to be first team preseason. No question about that. Sure. Uh, But, but I think that that's a situation where, um, uh, you know, she's going to get her 31 minutes. It's just going to be in different segments. You know, it's going to be, you know, five minutes at a time. Hello, dear. 
This is where the part. So Jeff did not know that we say hello to the dishwasher on the show. So hello to the dishwasher. Hello, dear. The dishwasher has no comment at this time as there are dishes to be done. <laughs> I have to do the dishes. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I'm not going to lie. When we started this about an hour ago, you were so jovial in telling me the story of the dishwasher and how everyone just yuck, yuck, yucks around. The oh, chair. no, no, no. She, she hates it. But I mean, she loves it. But she That likes, was not the story you were pitching 45 minutes ago. I know, but she's embraced it now. It's really, it's, it's Dave Winder and Neil Bradley who called you the dishwasher. It was not me. It was not me. Oh, Deflect. Wait, the that's because I like them more than you. Oh, well, that's totally fair. That's totally fine. Um, we we have digressed for the third time. Good luck, partner. Uh, well, thank Good you. Luck. I totally appreciate it. I, you know what? To be fair, it is my turn to do the dishes. Jeff, my last question for you uh, as we approach the end of this great journey that we've been on. <laughs> if you could just walk me through your love of Philadelphia, I want you to just go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and you can just swiftly kick me in the nuts because you've gotten Kevin Byard from the Titans. This is the second all-pro pickup that the Philadelphia Eagles have gotten. But just... Your Philly cheesesteak, your yep. Philly team fanaticism, yep. the city of Philadelphia. Yep. Explain to me how a man from Ohio who moves to Augusta, who then nearly got a job in Kansas and then jumps to Paducah, falls in love with Philadelphia. How did that happen? I was born in Philadelphia. I, I never knew that. Yes. Nor- I didn't know that. Norristown, Pennsylvania. It's on the outskirts of Philadelphia. My... Mother's entire family was uh, over there. Mom grew up in Philly. My dad grew up in, uh, uh, well, he bounced around a lot. Uh, my grandfather was a, uh, worked for a dairy company. And so he was uh, like a, he was sort of the, uh, uh, I don't know what the best way to describe this. He would basically just go farm to farm and go check in on the farmers, make sure everybody was good type of thing yeah. back in the day. And so, but they moved from, I think dad, I think he, I mean, he might have moved uh, like eight times before he graduated from high school, all through Pennsylvania and upstate New York. And uh, so they settled in Scranton, Pennsylvania, Northeast Pennsylvania, and then Philadelphia, obviously Southeast Pennsylvania. So that was where I was born into it. And, uh, you know, we spent countless, uh, countless summers. I mean, that was, uh, I mean, we drove because growing up, born in Philly, weren't there very long. And then we moved to upstate New York, but we would, you know, it was five hours down to Philly to go see the grandparents and my aunts and uncles and and so on. And so, um, you know, from the time that I could remember, you know, it was like, you're there in the summer, you're going to the vet to go see Philly's games and, um, go watch Mike Schmidt play. I let, that was when I started learning about, uh, days off and guys don't play every day and have my little heart broken because <laughs> Mike Schmidt was taking a Sunday off and, right. uh, but, uh, yeah, that was it. Parents went to Penn state. So, you know, that's kind of the, um, you know, I'm a hashtag an Ohio guy, but, uh, it's, uh, that's it's my, ride my, or die with Philly. my professional sports love is all with, all with Philadelphia. Um, you know, and then college wise, it's, you know, I guess now sort of a three headed monster of, you know, Penn state's my football school, uh, that, you know, I can, they're, they're the most legitimate football program that I follow that has a legitimate opportunity to, uh, you know, be, be something, something. even though they always wonderfully fall short and hurt my feelings. And then, uh, you know, obviously Ohio is my alma mater. So they're my, uh, you know, they and Murray kind of on the same path of, you know, and that, that's been the neat part is, um, Murray and Ohio, uh, have had similar, uh, 
sort of similar timelines yeah. of their big moments um, that in 2010 when I was in, you know, Greg Miller, my old weekend guy at, at Channel 6, was my best friend from college. And so, uh, you know, he, him coming up here and working for five years with me was awesome. So, but, you know, we're in San Jose uh, oh, for the Vanderbilt game. Yeah. And we're downstairs and we're just all fired up trying to get work done because De Niro and yada, yada. And then we keep looking over the TV and the Bobcats were a 14 seed and just blasted Georgetown that day. So it's like, this is the greatest day ever. You're losing. Yeah. Uh, and point. then, yeah. And then two years later, obviously Murray 31 and two all well. Uh, well, Ohio somehow they get to the sweet 16 that year. So when Murray got knocked out in Louisville, I came home and then drove up to St. Louis because they played uh, North Carolina in the Sweet 16, and that was just like this amazing deal. So it's like, you know, you've got the two. It's added to the basketball. Yeah, it's been great. And then, and then last year, uh, <laughs> last summer, it was one of my first acts of, of retiredness uh, was, uh, it was like May, and Ohio does this uh, coaches caravan deal where they, you know, the basketball football coaches, they go all around the state and, yeah. you know, hobnob, whatever. And say hey to the fans. Say hey to the fans. And so we met in Cincinnati, uh, met Mil- Greg and another one of my college buddies and because uh, they live up in Ohio now uh, and, uh, you know, went and ate some bad meatballs and uh, got to listen to the coach talk and then, uh, you know, talked to Jeff Bowles, who was the coach, and basically spent 15 minutes. He could not have been more polite and just annoyed with me all at the same time for 15 minutes because I just lobbied with him for 15 minutes. Like, dude, why are we not playing a home-and-home with Murray State? Right. Like, you guys are – it's a six-hour drive. What are we doing? Like, how can we not make this work for somebody? Be a great, great opponent. Well, you know, because I'm – Matt McMahon said to me – the year summer before he left that he's like, we've talked to because I, every year I was like, so we call in Ohio this year to get him on the books and call him. He's like, we're, we were, I thought we had one scheduled and then the date, they, the date didn't work for him and they had, and I mean, I was just devastated about that. Oh, could you and imagine? So, um, been the so Jeff, I said that the Jeff Bidwell bowl. That's right. And that's, and that's what, uh, McMahon always said. He's like, Hey man, if you want to put up 50 grand, you know, he's like, we'll bring him in. We'll pay for, you know, whatever. So, uh, um, oh, so I'm still fundraising for that, but, Golly, uh, that'd be but anyway, so it's, they, they are, there's enough separation of church and state between the two that, uh, uh, I would have to, uh, I don't have to worry about split allegiances, but uh, but now that I'm on the payroll and I can be bought at any time, uh, I'm all racers all the time. So the Bobcats come in, I will, you know, uh, we'll we'll spray paint the team bus or whatever. I, I, so I'd, I'd love to. See, I mean, there are certainly and we could we'll save this for another podcast. But I mean, there are Neil and I've talked about it. And I know at some points Matt and Steve have talked about it. You always have every coach, uh, men's and women's basketball. And even for football, everybody's got a dream list of teams that they would love to get home and homes with. Everybody has that, well, I'd love to make for this happen, make for this happen. It's not that easy. SMU is not an easy thing. No, not at all. And I, you know, and I think, you know, we were talking uh, when I was talking to some coaches last week about that up, up at the media day about, you know, Brian Wardle at Bradley's like, uh, you know, we call schools and they don't even call us back, you know, like stuff like that. It's like, it is, they, non- leave, you, they leave you on read. Yeah. Non-conference schedule is just, scheduling at this level is just one of the most difficult parts of the job. And, you know, I think that, um, you know, I mean, I think you, you kind of just look at it and you're like, okay, you want to do like a, however many hour radius of like, look, we can, 
let's play these teams. And, you know, I think a situation like that, which again, it's all easy uh, on paper, but it's like, look, you know, you got, you can go play, you know, you go play Ohio on a Thursday and then maybe you go to Columbus on Saturday and play Ohio state, or you come back and you play Cincinnati on a Saturday, or you go to Dayton, like they're all two hours away, or you go to West Virginia, like there's games to be played, but then, Hey, we got to find a date. We got to find two dates there that work for us. And then we also have to find a Thursday that works for Ohio and a Saturday that works for West Virginia. And those all like, that's the puzzle that's down the road. Right. And so that's the challenge that just makes it almost impossible. But, um, well, and no power five ever wants to come home and say, yeah, look, to have a home and home but the racers came in and beat us this year right no power five coach or even almost power five and that's where it's like top 10 like but even if you you know you did a home and home and i'll just keep saying ohio or miami of ohio or you know the the, the northern kentucky or and then that's your home and home but then you go put your money game two days later it you know at louisville cincinnati dayton Ohio State, West Virginia, like they're they're all kind of right there that you could go get, but you know, and then it comes down to are they going to pay you enough money? Are they going to give you, you know, are they going to give you the full eighty or ninety? Are yeah, they going to be like, cash. hey, we're only giving you fifty? Well, that's great, we're not coming. I mean, it, it's it's a it's a disaster. So it's like I don't and and being uh, inside the office a little bit more um, while the schedule was being constructed this year and just kind of sitting in the corner and li- li- just listening to them yeah. talk out some things. This is a tough schedule you're for just, men and women both. You're just like, uh, this is the, the rationale between why we want to play that game on that day, not on the 20th. We need it to be on the 19th. Like that's, but you're not the only coach in the country that has that thought, you know, and it's like, and that's why, it just turns into such a – what ends up happening and why it becomes, you know, Northern Iowa released their schedule like 10 days ago. Right. They're, I mean, like they – There are still teams that have it. Got, right. Correct. And it's what happens is you just get teams that they wait as long as they can until finally somebody goes, fine, we'll do it. We're just desperate and we needed to fill it out because – We need a game. In June and July, everybody is still trying to be ideal with what they're, you know – I, I want what I want. Well, you're not getting it. And then you just, some, eventually somebody has to cave. And that's why, you know, it took till. It's like an okay corral shootout. That's it. guys just getting ready to pull the trigger that's on it. what they. And there's so many, you know, again, it, it was it. Is it because you want a home and home? Is it because you want a two for one? Is it because you want a home and home, but you got to play at home this year? Or you got to play on the road? Is it, you know, how much are we getting from them? Could we get more if we go over there? And, um, you know, and that's it's such an odd puzzle. It's, it's an odd puzzle. And then you get, you know, I, I naively thought, as I know we're about out of time, the, uh, no, you're, or you're long nah. past out of time. This is a good insight. The, um, you know, I was under the misguided uh, notion that leaving the Ohio Valley Conference was the best thing that was going to ever happen for non-conference scheduling because you're like, now you have all of these schools within an hour at Martin, two hours at SEMO, three hours at Edwardsville, you know, that you're just... For those listening, I'm shaking my head yes because I, know, I, that I totally like, agree. That you're like, you can play these games and they are um they're 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 non-expensive trips if you want to do home and homes or if you just want to buy them and have them come in well yeah and they have some value they have you know now the the problem is that the major especially now after the great defection in the ovc right is that there are limits there are sort of scheduling guide rails 
that the guardrails that the uh, Missouri Valley uh, enforces that you are allegedly not, I don't know if not supposed to, or just strongly encouraged not to play quad four road games. Well, if you look through the Ohio Valley Conference, there's a whole lot of quad four teams. That's an interesting rule. And so an unspoken request. That you're trying to you're trying you are, you know, in the in the world of scheduling and you're trying to for lack of a better word, manipulate the net. Well, you're you're preseason twelfth in Ken Palm. You, you you can't do that if you're getting quad fourteen. You are what you eat. And so it's like we don't want to play, you know, the three hundreds and below. And frankly, that's what all the OVC is. And and so the bottom feeder teams especially, yes. All of them. Because then it comes down to okay, if you, if that, you yeah. could play now, it's not a hard and fast no because SIU does home and homes with SEMO. SIU has sure. done as home and homes with Edwardsville creates regional um, goodwill. You know, it's it's a it's an hour for them, you know, to drive over and go. But I think with, but this year, you know, for instance, you know, I, I Murray talked, I think, with Martin about playing, but Martin now the OVC has changed it. Where in the past you could only play two non-division one games. Well, the OVC has now changed that you can play four non-division one games. And so you look at these OVC schools, they're like, yeah, we'll just play. We just need some games. And we, we just need, need, we need some games. We need some we games need to win. and we need some wins to make it look so what it's like. And we get and, and we get to stay at home. Yeah. And you can buy those games for cheap. You know, you you know, if you know Murray goes to Mississippi State, they're gonna get eighty, ninety thousand. But when when you know Midway comes in, that number's and and I am completely speaking from my butt right now, but it's like yeah, you're just it's twenty five, yeah, like it's it's infinitely cheaper. So you know, instead of where plus some pizzas on the way out to the bus, where Martin, if they wanted to buy Murray State to come play at Murray or come play at Martin on a one game situation, they'd have to play him ninety, or they pay a hundred and they get four teams to come down and play. So that's just the finances, and, and the, it fills their schedule. Faster. And it's like, and we can get wins, and this is you know it's fine. So it's like that's another. Um, it, it's it's and that's why I was surprised when Little Rock got on the board because Little Rock I didn't think was part of that. Uh, quad four, you know, and that's, that's where it's like, again, it's not, um, but that was also the last game added to Murray schedule. Yeah. Because they lost a game in Florida that was supposed to be three games in three days for a four, four team multi-team event and it get three. So they only had 30 games mm-hmm. and there was a time where they're like, we're just going to stick a 30 cause we can't find 31. And then suddenly little rock fell out of the sky. So they also didn't they correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't they lose little rock? not long after COVID, like originally Little Rock was probably going to be on the schedule, I think for Matt's year, final year. That I don't know. I want to I, say. I, I mean, again, it's a it's a, it's a a regional team. Like an it's, IOU. Like, I, right. we got to get you. Yeah. We, we said we were going to see you. Let's see you. So. My understanding with that, that's a home and home, but I believe that the home aspect is going to be in two seasons. It won't be next year. So that'll. Gotcha. I don't know why it had to get kicked down the road, but that's. Uh, that's kind of the deal there. But another anyways, thing above our pay grade. Again, just, yeah, it's yeah. just it, there's a reason for it. But again, it just comes all back to the, the the complication in trying to find games. Is you know, it's like, hey, we got the games, awesome. Now we have to find a date. Well, and you, 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 I appreciate it because you painted that in a basketball sense. 
clearly that is indicative of most sports at the collegiate level. I mean, you could say it for women's soccer. You could say it for volleyball. There is just hell to pay when it comes to creating a non-conference schedule. Well, it, it's always amazing to me, though, that, you know, football – where there's literally three games you have in your non-conference. Right. But we're going to schedule those 10 years out for whatever reason. 2029. And, uh, yeah. Hey, yeah. we're going to – hey, you know, mark your calendars. We're heading to Indiana in, <laughs> you know, 2047. And then it's like, but we're going to do basketball, and we got to get 11 games figured out. And by the way, you've got three weeks. Go. You know, and it's just um, – that part of it just doesn't really make any sense. But um, – it's just all part of the – that's why they get paid the big bucks over there at uh, at the uh, CFSB Center. Well, Jeff, I really appreciate your time. Um, we are going to head off here. But what I am going to say is this is going to be also a part two rain check. We'll get Neil Bradley involved. We want to talk some racer football the next time we're around. Love it. Uh, we've got another month or so as Murray State football uh, kind of has to peter out the rest of their season. Uh, and I – I use that loosely. I don't mean that in a negative sense. It gets very, as Neil and I said last week, it gets exponentially more difficult for Murray State football moving forward. With North Dakota State this weekend, North Dakota coming in November the 4th, uh, still have to play Youngstown. And Illinois State. And Illinois State. And it's just it was From the beginning of the year when you looked at the schedule, it was like, okay, I don't know how many wins they've got, but the wins are going to come early. If they come, right. they're coming early. Yeah, because the hammer. The blessing of it was that it was it was it, the season was an uphill trajectory of difficulty, and and you hope development a hundred percent, but definitely and so, graduated. You know, and that's why you kind of looked at, you know, look, it's why we play the games. You know, no idea what's going to happen the next four weeks, but mm-hmm. it was like, man, it would have been good to get one Saturday at Missouri State because you're just like, all right, on paper. On paper, that's and look, Murray was three touchdown underdogs over there. Oh yeah, they were. A, still, you know, they were a nineteen point dog and had the had the chance to win, hundred percent. And so, um, but you know, you're going to play the the mother of all juggernauts in North Dakota State, who, you know, oh, and they're licking shit. their chops to get their season right. Yeah, I mean, they they lost they've lost four years worth of games this year. You know, losing twice. You know, it's like you're they're right. five and two, and they're like, what's going on? Yeah. And so. Um, that's a great point that, a, you know I, I think the number that that uh that dave winder threw out today was you know since however however far back you know they're like 109 and nine at home and that's pretty good you know and and, <laughs> and the majority of those nines were to the other dakotas you know like you have to go back fighting for championships the last time they lost a game at home that wasn't a playoff game or wasn't to a Dakota school. They lost to Indiana State back in 2012, which is about the time they just started winning national titles every single year. So, yeah. Um, but it's a. Uh, it, it has been. It's been an interesting year just to watch. Sort of like okay, these guys are. You know, last week you're playing SIU at home. It's top 15 team in the country. Uh, just as you hung with them. Legit defense, as you're going to see, and it's like, man, it's, you 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 somehow. You can't do it, but if you can lop the first 15 seconds off the game and an 80-yard touchdown run, you're like – They're in that thing the whole time. Yeah, you know, the whole game. You get inside that pen three times and you get three points. It's like it's, it's coulda, shoulda, woulda, but you're like this isn't as – it would have been understandable, especially coming off, you know, a, a, a lack of momentum leaving the OVC. 
that it wasn't like they, you know, last year was this upswing and we're ready to go take on the world. Right. To then come into this, and that happened for a variety of reasons. And the first, you know, when you're you're playing offense with one hand tied behind your back because your quarterback's out in the first game, and yeah. then you, your backup comes in and he's hurt already, and it's like the whole thing was just a and mess. Then, and then Jaden's ankle was yeah. Dead. I mean, it was like it was a mess, but the whole time, the whole thing. It would have been realistic. It would have been realistically understandable to think that this year was going to be bleak because there was no momentum coming in from the outside. You're just like, this is, and you're going from you've been, and you're, you're basically going on the, um, to make an FBS analogy, you're going from mm, the Mac. Yeah. To the sec. Correct. Totally. With the same tools. Yes. There's no, you know, it's like if, if the Ohio Bobcats, you're going to all like, like hey, winning. you know what? We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna leave the MAC. I think we're gonna go play in the SEC West and see how we can fare. Yeah, it's not gonna be good. Yeah, it's not, not gonna be good. Totally agree. And not that gonna was, go well. And so, you know, yeah, I understand that it's a lot of forcing the glass to be half full. But man, you're one of the most violent hits I've ever seen at South Dakota from being down a touchdown with right. 15 minutes left. You Correct. know, again, that game wasn't 38 seven, but that's what it ended up it being. It was 38 seven. Cause they had an incredible fourth quarter. It just, it got away late, but it's like, you're in that game. You yeah. were in the SIU game. You could have beat Missouri state. Like it's all there, but you know, and that's why the pieces, the just, p- it's going to take some time up front to be able to, you know, put some more size in there. The one, that's, that's the it. one thing Neil and I've talked about the upfront on both sides of the ball is just a completely different level. You're just, and I'm not disrespecting the Ohio Valley Conference. I have a lot of respect for the Ohio Valley Conference and in, and what they're becoming with the Big South transition and their merging. Um, but you take a look, the offensive line and the defensive line are look, the biggest difference. Look, Martin's a legitimate team. Absolutely. That's great. SEMO. But it's like, again, the, the Missouri Valley has seven teams in the top 25 this that's week. That's right. And that's the polls. And you look others, at the computer numbers. There's more than that. And there's like, others getting votes. Yeah, right? like it's just it. <laughs> there, it was. In, you look back, and that's now, not a like, one year anomaly, and that's not changing. No, in the next that's going to be the same every single year. And so, you know, it was nice the way the schedule worked out. And you look now, you're like, man, you know, Indiana State's own seven, and. Whew, they won't be owing kind of, next year. Kind of stole that one in the first game of the year, but you're like, man, I'm glad we got that one. Yeah. You know, you're feeling good coming out of that. You played well after the first 20 minutes at Middle Tennessee. Like, there are these chunks of time where you're like, I see it coming. It's just, it's hard. It's hard right now with a little bit of a knife to a gunfight situation to put it 60 minutes of it together. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I think you're going to get to the end of this year. There's a realistic possibility. They're going to be two and nine when the dust settles on the year and people are going to go harumph. And I'm like, yeah, they're obviously disappointed. They're two and nine, but I think that's a, I think there's a lot of there's a positivity. I think I, I almost would feel like now, they go lose seventy to nothing the next four weeks. That's going to change the tone of the off season. Sure, but I was like, I feel like you there's would, a difference between horrific two and nine and optimistic two and, and with nine. like, okay, we knew what we were getting into, and there are some pieces here to build on moving forward. And, and I feel like there's a little more momentum now. 
three and eight's a whole lot better than two and nine. Four and seven's a hell of a lot better than two and nine. So <laughs> each win you stand, you know, they can that. start going. Like, look, we're coming. You it's know? like a Jenga tower. It's like, hey man, we went two and nine in the OVC. We went four and seven in the Missouri Valley. Like, we're coming. Come play for us. And that's, but that's going to be that's the task. You know, and that was the thing when we talked to Dean before the season. He's like, I don't know what we need. I don't know how this changes our recruiting philosophy. Sure. Because we haven't been through it. Yeah, the map We, haven't, we haven't physically seen what we've got. You know, I think he's starting to get that picture now of what he's going to have to put together. And so, uh, but but I'm, it, it has not been, you know, I, I was worried. I was just worried because I'm just like, it. this is such big boy football. And I was, I was, I thought they might be overwhelmed. And I have not gotten that sense that they have been, um, that they're out of place. Maybe whelmed, but not overwhelmed. Not overwhelmed. Yeah, I think there's a de- there's a definite degree of whelmed. Um, <laughs> but but I think that I think there's enough pieces that um, you know there's stuff to build on, and I think that's the most important thing moving forward. Absolutely, and that was Jeff, a much much longer manifesto. On not that. at all, man. Now we're here for the manifesto. Your wife's here. She's waiting for me to leave so she can throw something heavy at you for making the dishwashing joke one more time. No, it's all good, man. We really appreciate it, Jeff. Uh, it's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. And uh, we'll get you on as soon as possible, as soon as uh, we get Neil Bradley back in the fold. And instead of it being at my kitchen table where we've got a nice fall uh, setting here in the middle, we'll be uh, at the WNBS studio. Now, so, did you pick this out at Hobby Lobby? No, absolutely. Or was this, this is this? absolutely my wife. Okay. But I will say this. Before, she did a good job. She I did. just Okay. Before we piece out of here, I yeah. will say that I had a candle lit, mm. a fall candle, like a votive before you arrived. And she told me that that was absolutely absurd and I needed to put that out. That was, was that a, for my benefit, or I, were I you trying to mask something? It, no, or? it was more like a fall ambiance yeah. as we approach the fall months and the greatest time of year. And I was trying to create like a like a mood, and she was just like, "That's stupid. Why would you do that?" So that's fine. I've, that's the love that we have. I don't have a long relationship with your wife, but I've never agreed with her more. Yeah, than your. Beyond oh, central if thinking. I'm, if I'm, if I do something stupid, she will tell me immediately. And that's why she's a great American. It is absolutely. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Bless you.